Hey, it's Erin, and this is 31 Nights of Scary Shit. Hey, friends. Glad to be back with you after a hiatus, if you will. The post-Halloween blues, as I tend to refer to them, kind of like how people get after Christmas time. So I have a little bit of a, get into a little bit of a mood when Halloween's over. It's my favorite holiday. And for some reason this year, I just did not want the month of October to end. I was like kicking and screaming about it. I really did celebrate the October season this year. Um, I handed out candy, uh, which was kind of cool because I am house sitting. So I'm in a neighborhood where I don't know anybody. So I got to meet some neighbors and see the kids having fun. And it was a beautiful night. It was warm. I sat outside in my costume. So I actually had two costumes this year, which is kind of funny. Um, so they were both witch costumes. So I wore my traditional witch costume to hand out the candy. And then I changed into my more gothic sorceress kind of witch costume to do the Halloween watch party on Facebook. Um, so maybe you caught that. Maybe you didn't. I'm going to tell you, to be honest, you didn't miss anything if you didn't catch it because I went back and I watched it and I'm like, oh dear God, no. I'm like, no, I can't, I can't stand three minutes of this. My sister said, oh, I saw it. It was great. I said, you watch the whole thing. <laughs> I said, it was like 45 minutes of just complete nonsense. And she's like, no, of course I watched it. It was great. And I'm like, way to be supportive. But, um, it was kind of fun. It was the first time I've ever done anything like that. Um, kind of uncomfortable. And I realize I always think that I'm way more tech savvy than I am. I am not. I'm like an idiot. I spent like five minutes talking into the camera going, is this thing on? I mean, it was just, it was, it was a crap show, but what else can you expect from me really, to be honest? But hence I decided to do the watch party instead of doing a Halloween podcast episode. So now I'm reading my notes and I'm like, oh, it seems to be in the past tense because I was supposed to to talk about this on Halloween. So if I go back and forth between tenses and you're not really sure if I'm talking about it happened today or last week, this actually happened on Halloween. So let's get into it. Um, I had the pleasure of dining at Stone's Public House in Ashland, Massachusetts, and I wouldn't have known anything about this if it had not been for my friend Laura, because she sent me a website that had a list of restaurants where you could go to dine with ghosts. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. And I chose this place because it was relatively close. And also because quite a few of those places were in Salem, which anyone who lives anywhere near Salem knows you, that there's no way you could go there in Halloween and, and really get into anything. So that was out. That wasn't even a consideration. So also the place just looked really quaint and comfortable, um, and the menu just looked amazing, had so many choices. Stone's Public House was featured on the Discovery Channel's Ghost Lab. Um, I am not sure I've ever seen that show, and I don't know if it's still on the air, but the place got enough attention that, that it was featured on that show. So huge shout out to my friend Laura for sending me that information because it made for a really cool day. It was a great thing to do on Halloween. Now, let's get the plugging out of the way. If you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at 31 Nights of Scary Shit. Send us an email at 31 Nights of Scary Shit at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. It could be just to say hey, it could be to give a suggestion about something that could be covered on the podcast. Heck, it could even be a complaint. I'll still respond and I'll still be happy to hear from you. And 
Um, if you have a story that you would like to share, um, I would love to be able to do an episode of listener stories. Um, doesn't even have to be something scary. It could be something that was just, you know, I don't know, maybe just a tad weird or maybe something that initially was scary and turned out to be funny. It doesn't even have to be about you. It could be about a friend. It could be about a stranger. But I would love that. I'd love to be able to do um, a listener episode. Haven't done that in quite a while. So let's get into the content here. So the history of the Stone Public House that was formerly known as the Railroad House John Stone, a farmer, was a captain in the military. He built the railroad house in 1832. He owned most of the land in the center of what was known as Unionville at the time. The railroad was to be built right through his own land, so he decided to build a hotel right beside the tracks. The other thing I want to mention is, you know, you don't see a whole lot of tracks anymore where there are trains that actively go by. Um, that's kind of a, you know, a novelty you know, um, at this point. So while I was eating there, the train went by a couple of times and that was actually kind of cool. And it becomes important because some, some of the paranormal activity that is attributed to the place has to do with the train. So the property also included a barn and a cow yard and a house for the Stone family. The hotel opened for business on September 20th, 1834. John Stone ran the hotel for two years, and then he leased it out to a long line of innkeepers. Stone continued to live on the property. He died in 1858, and W.A. Scott bought the business in 1868, roughly around there. Over the years, the building became run down, and a man named Leonard Cappy Fournier bought and restored the building in 1976. He was the first to explore the paranormal happenings in the building. A newspaper article written in 1984 described paranormal occurrences that began when Fournier took over the building. So there were things like doors wouldn't stay bolted, lights would turn themselves on, just, you know, your standard paranormally kind of things. The building attracted psychics and mystics who wanted to investigate. Each expert had different experiences in the building, but there was a common factor in all of these occurrences. Every investigator that went into a designated upstairs room felt weird feelings in the back half of the room. The psychics perceived multiple, quote, sullen male spirits. Makes sense. Sullen men, yes. So a psychic named Lee Sonnefield encountered the spirit of a drunkard named Bert Phillips, who may have died at the end during the 1890s. An assistant manager named Butch Adams had an encounter that terrified him one night while he was finishing the floors. Inexplicably, a handful of bird seed fell through the holes in the ceiling and fell to the floor where he was working. Bartenders complained that water taps turned on by themselves and patrons would feel they were being tapped on the shoulder only to turn around to no one there. So when I went there to eat, um, you know, you had the option of there's a, there's a dining room, there's a bar area, which is, which is a dining room as well. And then there is an upstairs where you can get a reservation and, and eat there. And that's the area that's, that's supposed to be designated for the, you know, dining with ghost area. Um, there weren't any spots available for that day. So I just dined in the general area. I wanted so badly 
I'm just not assertive enough to go in because there were, there were about a dozen people in the bar to go in there and talk to the bartenders or, you know, kind of sit down and kind of feel the the atmosphere for myself. But I, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I did talk to my server about the paranormal activity, but I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to that. But I did get her opinion on, you know, whether or not it was legit. So anyway, um, I did go upstairs and look around too a little bit. Um, I didn't have any, anything, you know, unusual happen, but again, it was just, it, it was cool to be, to be there, you know, in a place that got this, this kind of attention. So a professional hypnotist named Ralph Bibbo, who founded ECHO, I love this acronym, for Education Concerning a Higher Order. He investigated six or seven spirits said to have been roaming the hotel for 140 years. Bibbo was told by the spirit of a chambermaid named Sadie that John Stone had accidentally, so remember John Stone was the person who originally built the hotel. He didn't manage it for all that long. Okay, so this story has largely been disputed. Okay. So um, Stone had supposedly killed a boarder from New York named Michael in 1845, whom he had accused of cheating in a game of cards in which Michael won $3,000. That's a lot of money for a card game in the 1840s. So I could see that that could potentially stir up some, uh, some chaos, you know, if somebody won that kind of money and uh, people were angry Approximately six or seven witnesses to the murder helped Stone to bury the body in the basement and were sworn to secrecy, even in death. In a videotape session, the ghost of Stone entered the body of Echo member Terry Pendleton. While in Pendleton's body, an angry Stone ordered the guests to leave the premises. Fournier was so convinced by Bibbo's theory about the murder that he allowed him to dig up the basement to look for a victim. Even the police got involved in the strange happenings. In the mid-80s, police chief, this is 1980s, (laughs) police chief Joe Magnani and his partner Steve Zanello received a call to come to Stone's because a door had been left open in the back of the restaurant and bar. The two officers did not sense any danger at first, or I'm sorry, on the first floor, but when they went upstairs, they started to get creeped out. The rooms where guests used to stay had been shut off for a long time. And when Steve Zanello opened one of the guest room doors, he jumped back in fear. And when Agnani asked him what was wrong, Zanello said, you don't see her. The her he was referring to was the ghost of 11-year-old Mary Smith, who had been killed by a train that ran alongside the inn in 1863. The dress that Mary Smith had presumably worn is framed inside of the inn. And I saw the dress. I went upstairs. The dress is in a frame at the top of the stairs on the second floor by a mirror. And you can see very clearly. So I did go up and look at it. And I did get a picture of it, which I will post. Um, As the officers exited the building, they could see a silhouette of a young girl in the window. And as I was leaving, that's exactly what I was looking for, too. I'm looking up at windows and I'm like, and I got nothing. Cliff Wilson The president of the Ashland Historical Society says that the story about Stone murdering someone is false. He cites the following things as evidence that the story is made up. One, Stone did not manage the hotel, so he only ran it for about two years. Stone was a staunch Baptist who would not have been gambling. Mm, 
okay. And three, the name associated with the story or the names associated with the story. So these, these supposed six or seven witnesses, um, haven't been able to be verified as having really been real people that were alive. Um, so I don't know what this reason, what is, eh, I don't know if his reasoning is enough to convince me that it didn't happen. I'm about 50, 50 here, but even though Wilson is skeptical of the story about stone and the murder, he did experience something rather strange. Um, he couldn't deny that when he conducted an interview at stones about, I guess a decade ago, maybe more than that. Now Wilson interviewed a guy who was going to write a book about Stonehouse. And when he reviewed the recording of the interview, it was hard to make out the conversation between the two men. But what he did hear was some inexplicable chatter in a voice that said, Titty ran. He didn't make it. Well, the voice came from an unknown source. Who was Titty? Well, Titty was George Gordon Tidsbury, who was a deputy marshal. And Wilson was not able to find any information about what Tidsbury could have been running from. So that was apparently not uh, not decoded, but very creepy to play footage back and, and realize that the footage is not of a conversation you were having. Um, and I get really scared about disembodied voices. I, I probably talked about this before, which is why the Mothman Prophecies movie freaks me out so badly. I hate the idea of a voice communicating through um, communicating through a phone or a TV or anything like that. So I would be mega, mega freaked out if I played back a recording and heard a voice. I really would. I think I'd rather see the image than hear just the voice. It just really freaks me out. And that being said, I'm not inviting anybody to appear to me. Please don't do that. Please stay in the shadows. (laughs) But um, anyway, some more recent reported Paranormal activity includes finding fingerprints of a little girl on a mirror on the second floor. And I think I know which mirror they're talking about. Well, it could be probably one of three mirrors. It's hard to explain how that could happen because the mirror is much too high for a little girl to reach. So I did go up to the second floor. And as I said, there's a mirror at the top of the stairs. Then there are several mirrors in the banquet room. I agree. It would be difficult for a small child to make prints on the mirrors unless someone was holding them up. Um, I liked the ambiance of the restaurant. It would be a great place to go really for a dinner date. Um, any place that has a fireplace works for me. So there's a little fireplace in the, in the, the little sort of main dining area downstairs. There's a fireplace in the, in the bar area. Um, really a very homey, quaint kind of comfortable place. I really didn't get a scary vibe from there, but you know, I didn't dine in the area where the ghosts are supposedly eating. So I did go up there and stand and I went into the room and it's basically, I think they called it the banquet room. Um, and it was a table with probably a dozen chairs. And, um, I kind of stood there trying to, trying to see if I would sense anything. And I really didn't. Um, but again, just cool to, to go to these places that, you know, you, you see and you hear about. Um, so I did talk to my server and I said, okay, what's the deal? You know, is this, is this place really haunted? And she goes, I believe it is. She goes, I haven't really experienced a whole lot. She said, but you know, the bartenders have said that they've experienced things um, in particular, you know, the types of things that would happen when the place was supposed to be closed and locked, you know, coming into work the following morning and realizing that, 
you know, doors had been left open inexplicably. Um, you know, again, I mentioned the things about the bartenders getting weird feelings or things turning on and off, that kind of thing. Um, and she did say that uh, there was a medium that had come in there that had definitely had some some sort of communication. So she seemed to believe in it, even though she hadn't really experienced much of it firsthand. I think she's a believer, you know, so we had a, a nice little chat about it. Um, and, you know, it, it must not be very ominous because it's, it seems to me that the people who are managing it currently have been there for quite a while. And, and it, it seems like a place where people go to work and, and they enjoy being there. Um, so it's just kind of one of those, those things like, well, you know, it's an old place and, and you'll have that kind of thing. So, um, but I enjoyed being there. I did. Um, and I believe you can stay there too. I think, I think you can. I have to double check that. Anywho, so I'm thinking of doing a thing. Well, I'm going to do it. I just don't know when. I'm kicking around the idea of starting an additional podcast. So no, I'm not stopping 31 Nights of Scary Shit. I'm just going to shift the the content around a little bit. Um, I want to start an additional podcast that's more devoted to kind of heavier sort of murder type cases that either are unsolved or cases that don't get as much attention as they should, you know, for instance, missing women, um, people of color, um, you know, or, or cases where people were, where it's up in the air, if maybe they don't have the right person, that kind of thing. And I also want to do a better job of getting more information out there about the victims. Cause I realized after watching Dahmer on, uh, I guess it was Netflix. And I, and, and while I think that it was, that it was actually well done and the acting was fabulous. Um, you know, Evan Peters always fabulous. Niecy Nash was amazing. I think, I think there could possibly be Emmy nods. Uh, the, the man who played the victim, uh, who got away, I believe his name was Tracy. I mean, that guy deserves an Emmy. It was well done. And I think it's the first time I've seen a dramatization. I mean, I know it, I know it was a, bi- it was biographical too, but there was definitely more focus on the victim stories than I've seen in, in other things that were similar. Um, some people disagreed. They felt that it that it glorified Dahmer. I don't really think it did. I think, I think it gave a pretty authentic picture and, and I don't, I didn't feel sympathy for him. I don't think that anything in that, in the portrayal really caused me to feel any sort of sympathy. So that's just my opinion, but getting to back to what I was saying, it's very important that we stop glorifying these assholes. It's really important. I mean, we're still talking about Charles Manson 60 years later. I mean, why, you know, people know more about him than, than, than the six, five people, than the five people that were killed. And I want to focus more on, I guess the, 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 the victim part of it, if possible. Um, sometimes there just isn't, there isn't information that's known, but I don't want to be a contributor of the let's make serial killers rock stars, you know? So anyway, my rambling again. So, um, kicking around the idea. Um, I spent hours this week, uh, trying to come up with some names and lo and behold, that is the hardest thing in the world to do. You're like, Oh, this is gold. No one's thought of this. And then lo and behold, you go, are you freaking kidding me? Somebody else has this, you know? 
And it could be something you're like, oh my God, no one would have this. And you're like, no. So it's very difficult. But I did narrow it down to like four that are available. And I was really, really leaning heavily toward one. And I ran it by my sister and she didn't pick the one that I wanted. And I thought, oh my gosh, I feel like this one's the one. And she's like, oh, I like these other two. And I'm like, huh, okay. So um, I'm not going to share what they are because all of you aspiring podcasters out there might take them. It's like when you tell your best friend what your baby name is going to be and they're like, no, I won't take it. And then they do. So no, not going to do that. Not going to allow you to steal my podcast name. Um, but on the other hand, if you have some ideas and you know for certain, if you vetted it, that, that these things are available, um, the best thing to do is just do, is just go to Google Podcast or Apple Podcasts is usually, you know, the kind of the way to really figure it out very simply um, whether or not there's already one in existence. So you have an idea about what I could possibly call a podcast. I would love to hear from you. 31 nights of scary shit at gmail.com. So that's what's going on with me. Um, with that being said, I would like to keep 31 nights of scary shit as sort of the, you know, space for the haunting and paranormal and the cryptage, you know, the weird kind of spooky kind of stuff, ghosty kind of stuff. And I also feel like, you know, it's kind of seasonal, you know, I, I didn't I didn't do an episode every single day, but you know it had to do with there were extenuating circumstances. You know, had I really been in my element and settled and not had so much going on, maybe I could have pulled that off. But um, I like the idea of kind of reserving that as the spooky thing that maybe is kind of seasonal. Um, anyway, just wanted to let you know what was going on. So, friends, um, I really hope that you enjoy your week. I hope you accomplish all the things that you need to accomplish. I hope your work week is, is good. And, um, I hope that, you know, you, uh, enjoy pretty much you're enjoying life. And, um, I don't know wherever you're, you're listening from wherever you are. Um, we've been having some unusually nice and warm weather, which I'm kind of loving, but at the same time, I'm like, boy, it's going to be difficult when it suddenly drops to 20 degrees, which it's going to do here tomorrow. So, um, Hope you're enjoying whatever it is that you're doing and just be sure to stay spooky. Bye.